Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Ladies and gentlemen, at long last, we are back. Welcome to Inside the Archives podcast. I'm Marty Rosenbaum, XRT's digital content producer and all things social media. We had a bit of a summer break. The last podcast we recorded was released this past June. And now that it's August, you know, I figured enjoy the summer a little bit. So apologies for the lengthy wait, but I promise you it'll be well worth it. We've got a couple of episodes lined up coming your way as a quick programming note to those of you that may be new to the podcast or haven't listened in two months since there hasn't been a new episode. I release this podcast on a monthly basis. So all you need to do to find the latest updates on new episodes of Inside the Archives. You can subscribe to the podcast on the Radio.com app. All you need to do is download it for free in the App Store or on Google Play or go to Radio.com to listen to it. You can just search the podcast section for Inside the Archives and you'll be able to find it there. If you're listening on iTunes or I guess what is now Apple Podcasts since iTunes is going away, you can search the library for Inside the Archives, leave us a rating and a review, subscribe to the podcast, and find a full list of every single episode that we've released thus far. Well, summer is unfortunately coming to a close soon. Being in Chicago, that could mean in the next week, or it could stretch all the way in October. One of the beauties about being here is that we never truly know when it's going to end. But that being said, there's been a ton of great concerts, and summer concert season in Chicago is unlike anywhere else, whether you're at Northerly Island with the beautiful backdrop of the downtown skyline, or in a local street festival in your neighborhood catching some cover bands, other small acts that you hadn't heard before but completely blow you away. It's a truly unique experience that isn't easily replicated in many cities. One of the highlights of the summer for many people is Lollapalooza, the massive four-day-long festival sees hundreds of thousands of concertgoers flood into Grant Park with over 170 acts playing in total. It's a behemoth at this point. And this year, that was proven true once again. If you missed any of XRT's Lollapalooza coverage or simply want to relive the festival, just head to 93xrt.com slash Lollapalooza. We have all of the interviews with artists that we spoke to backstage up there. Also, some various photos from around the festival, photos of different sets, some um, faces in the crowd photo galleries that I put together, where our wonderful photographers, big shout out to them, caught some fabulous outfits and just the weird sights that you will only see at Lollapalooza. So highly recommend checking that out. And there's a couple full-length performances on there, as well as individual performances that Lollapalooza's YouTube channel put that put out. So 93xrt.com slash Lollapalooza. Check that out if you want to relive the festival. But after going through the festival and experiencing it, and now it's 14th iteration in Grant Park, it got me thinking, what is the evolution of this festival? And compared to the other major music festivals in the United States, how much overlap is there now in comparison to 2005 when Lollapalooza made its return as a standalone festival in Grant Park as opposed to the traveling festival? One of the big comments I saw online, either on Twitter, Reddit, 
other message boards where when the lineup was released is that, man, these headliners are exactly the same as Coachella. What's up with that? It seems like every year festivals are putting out the same headliners. There's some overlap there. Now I can understand that perception because this year Lollapalooza and Coachella shared three headliners, Ariana Grande, Tame Impala, and Childish Gambino. So the recency bias makes it seem like, all right, this is this is this is an overlap, but that yet again factor was seemingly common amongst the responses. So I want to put that to the test using Lollapalooza, Bonnaroo, and Coachella, arguably the biggest music festivals in the United States, and see how much overlap there really was between the three of them. I did this on a year-to-year basis starting in 2005. Yes, I know Bonnaroo and Coachella are both older than that. But I want to start in 2005 because that's a good starting point since Lollapalooza became essentially what it is today, or that's when its foundation was laid, as opposed to being the traveling festival where you saw the same acts going from city to city to city, since Bonnaroo and Coachella have both been standalone festivals at their respective sites ever since their inception. So we're starting from 2005, and what I did was look at the top six headliners. Now, I know... Lollapalooza has expanded to four days. Coachella has expanded to two weeks. Bonnaroo is four days long. So you're going to get more than six total headliners in the festival lineup, closing out a stage at the end of each day. But for simplicity's sake, the top six listed are generally going to be the biggest names that are at the festival, whether that's you know in terms of popularity, following, or just billing on the lineup. You can easily point to the top six headliners as those who are going to define that festival that year. Now, I know a counterpoint to that is once the performances get underway, there could be some people that absolutely blow you away or artists that blow up a few years later and seeing, man, how are they so low on the festival bill that year? I get that. But generally, when looking back, doing any retrospective on the lineup, the top six artists are the headliners for that year and are generally what defines that festival. So I put together a little spreadsheet because I love me a good spreadsheet. Looking at the top six listed artists on the festival poster dating back to 2005 for Lollapalooza, Coachella, and Bonnaroo. And I wanted to see how much overlap there actually was. So I laid out all six headliners for each festival, then cross-examined them to see how much overlap there actually was. And today's podcast is going to be a discussion on that, whether or not music festival headliners have become homogenized in the past 14 years if festival programming is essentially becoming the same or if there's going to be still that unique factor to it that makes these events that destination festival that so many plan their year around. Now, in their inceptions, Bonnaroo, Coachella, and Lollapalooza were different types of festivals. Bonnaroo started off as the jam band festival booking artists like Widespread Panic, uh, former Grateful Dead members like Phil Lesh or Bob Weir and their respective outfits at the time. Lollapalooza historically has been that alternative rock, grunge rock festival, seeing artists like Soundgarden, Jane's Addiction, Red Hot Chili Peppers fill the bill. And Coachella is more of a mixed bag. It has always leaned heavier towards rock and roll and electronica music. But one of the big factors of Coachella was the reunion performances, their uncanny ability to get artists to reunite for the festival when they wouldn't do concerts anywhere else. Now, that is the (laughs) 
20,000 foot frame, the 20,000 foot view on essentially what those festivals were when they started. What they've evolved to today is something completely different, which is understandable. You're going to be running a festival for over 15 years. It's not going to look exactly the same as it does in its beginning. And I think most people will get bored if you're going to put out the same lineup year after year, unless, you know, you're, I, I shouldn't say bored, but you're going to limit the scope of your audience if you're booking the same types of artists year after year after year. And if you want to grow, well, you've seen what happened from there. Let's go through and take a look, starting at the most recent festival. You know what? No, no, no. We'll do it the other way around. Let's start in 2005, and I'm going to go through all the way up until 2019 and list how many artists that were overlapping with all three festivals and see if it really is a newer phenomena where they're sharing headliners or if this is something that has always been the case. Now, I'll go through and mention individual artists for each year because I think it is interesting to note which festivals overlapped with specific artists, but I'm not going to go through and list every headliner because I don't think you want to hear me do that for 20 minutes. At least I don't, I don't, I don't want to hear me do that for 20 minutes. If, I, if you want to give me a shout-out on Twitter, at Marty Rosenbaum, and say you want to hear it, I will happily leave you a personalized message reading all of these off. But for the sake of brevity and time, we're not going to be doing that. Now, as I mentioned, 2005 was the first year that Lollapalooza became a standalone festival in Grand Park, during that year, all three festivals did not share a single headliner. Bonnaroo and Lollapalooza shared widespread panic, and Lollapalooza and Coachella shared Weezer as their headliner. So, two total overlaps between the three festivals that year. 2006, none of the festivals had any overlapping headliners. 2007, none of the festivals had any overlapping headliners. 2008, only Bonnaroo and Lollapalooza had an overlapping headliner when Kanye West played both of the festivals. In 2009, there was one overlapping headliner between Lollapalooza and Coachella as the Killers were playing both festivals. In 2010, same scenario, except at Coachella and Bonnaroo, Jay-Z was a headliner. In 2011, same thing. One overlapping artist between Lollapalooza and Coachella as Outkast headline. 2012 is when we started to see a shift towards artists playing multiple festivals as headliners. Bonnaroo and Lollapalooza both booked Red Hot Chili Peppers. Lollapalooza and Coachella shared two artists, Black Keys and At The Drive-In. And Coachella and Bonnaroo shared one artist with Radiohead. 2013 saw a dip in overlapping artists. Bonnaroo and Lollapalooza sharing Mumford and & Sons. And Lollapalooza and Coachella sharing Phoenix. In 2014, it took another step back with only Lollapalooza and Coachella sharing Outkast as a headliner. All the other festivals did not have any overlapping artists. Now, that'll be the last year where you see only one headliner amongst these festivals. Between 2015 and 2019, there's at least two. Now, we'll get to it and offer a little tease, and it's more recent than you may think, but that was the last year where it was so few. Now, 2016... And I should clarify, too, before we go through all of these, that the undercard of these festivals, so every artist below the top six, did play overlapping festivals, but I did not want to go through every single one and compare how many total artists they had overlapping because a lot of side stage, smaller stage artists are going to play overlapping festivals. And even some of the bigger names, let's say you expand it to the top eight, the top 10, the top 12, I suspect that you'll find more similarities. When I was looking through, I did notice that there were some 
greater overlaps. But like I said, for these festivals to stand out and be unique, I only focused on the top six headliners. Not the top eight. Arguably could have done. I accept that. I'll take that. But focusing on the top six. So that being said, we moved to 2015. All three festivals for the first time shared a headliner, and that was Florence and the Machine. We moved down to Bonnaroo and Lollapalooza, only shared one headliner, which was the aforementioned Florence and the Machine. Lollapalooza and Coachella shared two headliners with Florence and the Machine and The Weeknd, and Coachella and Bonnaroo shared one headliner with Florence and the Machine. In 2016, it was the same thing, where all three festivals shared LCD Sound System as a headliner. I believe that was the year they reunited after a five-year hiatus, so not too surprising that they were listed as headliners at all three festivals. Bonnaroo and Coachella shared two headliners with LCD Sound System and J. Cole. Lollapalooza and Coachella both shared LCD Sound System as their sole overlapping headliner. And Coachella and Bonnaroo shared two overlapping headliners, LCD Sound System and Ellie Goulding. 2017, once again, saw a multitude of overlapping headliners. You had all three festivals sharing Lord as an overlapping headliner. Bonnaroo and Lollapalooza shared two overlapping headliners, Lord and Chance the Rapper. Lollapalooza and Coachella shared two overlapping headliners as well with the XX and Lord, and Coachella and Bonnaroo shared one overlapping headliner with Lord. Now, 2018 is the year all of the festivals took a step back from overlapping artists, with none of the three festivals sharing a headliner. Bonnaroo and Lollapalooza did not share any headliners. Lollapalooza and Coachella only shared one headliner, who was The Weeknd, and Coachella and Bonnaroo shared one headliner, who was Eminem. So 2018, after three straight years of sharing multiple headliners, the three festivals took a step back and were a little bit more unique in that sense. Now we come to 2019, which on the surface seemed like the festivals were sharing headliners that were exactly the same, but that wasn't really the case outside of Lollapalooza and Coachella. As I mentioned, they shared three headliners together, which is the first time we saw three overlapping artists, Ariana Grande, Tame Impala, and Childish Gambino. But all three fests only shared one headliner that year, which was Childish Gambino. And you look at Bonnaroo and Lollapalooza and Coachella and Bonnaroo, none of those pairs shared any overlapping headliners, despite the perception that we were seeing the exact same festival headliners. The most interesting thing to me when looking at this and putting it together was the notion, the preconceived notion I had heading into it that in the past five years, festivals have become samey you see the same artist headline and certainly between 2015 and 2017 you had a strong argument for that with multiple artists playing the larger festivals as headliners but in 2018 and 2019 it really was a step back save for this year with Lollapalooza and Coachella now the thing to keep in mind is that while this does represent more uniqueness Amongst the festivals, it doesn't necessarily mean the festivals are getting rarer acts or acts that have never played it before and perhaps may give a casual fan a reason to come out to it. When you look at the top six artists for each year, and I wrote these all down, and like I said, I'm not going to go through them because I don't want to waste anyone's time. There are a lot of artists on there who have been on the festival circuit for years on end. Artists like um, The Killers... The Weeknd, Eminem even, who have played these festivals at some point over the past five years. Now, it may be a year, usually not a year. It'll be at least two years between they play the same festival 
For example, you can catch an act like The Killers, who played Lollapalooza in 2017 and then played Bonnaroo in 2018. And looking back even further, in 2014, you caught an artist like Jack White at Bonnaroo, and then in 2015, he played at Coachella. So there's this continuity where you're going to play some of these artists, and not, it's the way it was booked. I'm not calling them out, or it's a slight. I mean, if you get offered a headlining gig at one of these festivals, you'd be a fool to turn it down. But the point being is that it's not exactly a rare and unique get to have these artists at your festival. As I mentioned earlier on, Coachella is notorious for reuniting acts or having acts that haven't played live in a long time or someone that quote-unquote doesn't really fit the festival bill. Looking through their top six headliners... In 2018, they certainly had one when Beyonce played there, and she just released a documentary about that Coachella headlining performance on Netflix. Haven't watched it yet, but have heard that it is worth your time, that it's incredibly well done and really, really cool to see. Now, remember, she was booked in 2017, but she was pregnant at the time and ultimately backed out for a year. Lady Gaga replaced her and then came back in 2018 with a a, a really, really fantastic performance. Um, cannot recommend that enough if you've not watched it yet. It was it was really cool. But going back further from there, you had Guns N' Roses in 2016. I don't know if that was their first performance in however long or if that was simply another stop, but I think I, I, I would have to look, so I'm not going to comment on that. 2015, you had ACDC, generally not a festival headlining act, you see. But going back, you had some other bands in 2013. The Stone Roses played there as their big reuniting act. Um, Looking before then, in 2010, they had Faith No More and Pavement, who at the time hadn't played in a while together. Pavement, definitely not. I think Faith No More is the same thing. 2009, they booked Paul McCartney, who then went on to play multiple festivals like Bonnaroo, and Lollapalooza with his memorable 2015 performance, but that was kind of the predecessor. They also got Prince and Roger Waters in 2008, Bjork in 2007, uh, Depeche Mode in 2006. So they they have that history, and in recent years, save for Beyonce, who represented that unique festival booking, they haven't really had that large reunion take place. Now, maybe there aren't that many bands that are left to reunite at this point that would be the sole headliner or maybe festival bookers just say hey look we can we can book these gr- huge acts and we'll still have a great festival people are still going to come out to it and we don't necessarily need to blow a quarter of our budget on one act when we know that we're going to be able to sell the festival out we're going to be able to have huge ticket sales by booking xyz artists instead so the unique factor that comes along with these three major festivals, I think, is still there. Now, whether or not it's going to happen on a yearly basis doesn't seem to be the case. And as we've seen in recent years, they're more prone to overlapping artists, where the first, let's take a look, eight, nine years, that wasn't the case. However, the festivals themselves have become destination events, and they have grown into these I know I used the word before, but they've grown into these behemoths that are almost unstoppable. I mean, you're going to get people that come out to it regardless of who is booked. So maybe the festivals don't have anything to prove in the sense that you have to book this artist to get people to come. Because people are going to come regardless. I mean, part of 
part of the fun of the festival is that it is a giant party. You know, however, however you want to treat that, how you might, it is a escape. It's a getaway for people, and it has become a destination event where you're going to come out, and there's going to be some artists you like on there, but people I think may be willing to take chances too to see. All right, there's not a ton of artists that I know on here, but I know I'm going to have a good time. And these festivals built up equity that you can trust them to book some solid acts, even if the headliners may be overlapping and there may be less spontaneity that comes with it. The undercard and the smaller acts are going to be worth it. And who knows? There's been countless instances of artists who have appeared lower on a festival booking headlining the festival just a few years later. And that is not isolated to Lollapalooza, nor is it isolated to Bonnaroo or Coachella. So what are the findings we have from this? You might ask yourself, how did I get here? That'd be great if the Talking Heads played. I think that's that's one band. Coachella, any of the music festivals got, that would get tons of people out. Now, that's not going to happen because I think recently, at least in the past year or two, David Byrne said he has no interest in doing so. Anyway, sidetracking. The findings that we got from this is that in the past two years, say for Lollapalooza and Coachella this year, Festivals have taken a step back from booking overlapping artists. Even if all festivals only shared, all three festivals I mentioned shared one headliner, there's less and less bookings amongst the three festivals, even if you pair them up together. I feel that's a good thing because you're getting that uniqueness back. I don't have ticket sales off the top of my head, nor am I looking at them now. But I would imagine that if all three festivals are booking similar artists or there are sharing, you know, all three festivals are sharing one headliner. Two out of the three festivals are sharing two headliners from a consumer standpoint. It doesn't really give you an extra incentive from a, from to attend it musically. There may be something about the festival that you like better that makes your decision easier to go to Lollapalooza instead of Bonnaroo but when you look at the six headliners that are on there, if two of the three festivals are sharing two, or even in some cases three of them, then you really have less of a reason to head out there. But the past two years, festivals have taken a step back from that and are starting to become more unique. There's less commonality between them. And if this trend continues... I think that'll benefit not only the fest, but it'll benefit the concert goers as well because there's probably people out there who want to hit all three, maybe two out of the three, or are planning a destination event to one of the festivals. And when you see the lineup, see the artists that are on there, it makes it that much easier to decide where you're going to put your money towards. Now, the quality of the artists that are on here, I'm not going to comment on because everybody has their own takes their own musical styles and whatever floats your boat hey i'm cool with that but when you look at the unique factor and the fact that the festivals the past two years have strayed away from booking similar headliners that's only going to be a positive in the long run and i think as music festivals are now aging into veteran status they no longer have their chip on their shoulder with something to prove hey we got to be this there's that openness to be we can be whatever we want to be, and our lineup is going to reflect that. You're going to get a little bit of rock. You're going to get a little bit of hip-hop. You're going to get some EDM music, some jazz even in some cases, bluegrass, whatever it is. You're going to have that unique factor come into it, and 
your headliners are going to reflect that too. I think that's only going to benefit any festival goer and anyone that's involved with it. So moral of the story is past two years, we've seen some positive signs after going through a run where there were more overlapping headliners together. And as I mentioned, I only looked at the top six. I know that if you expand that out to even the top 12 artists, you're going to have more overlaps, but festivals each year are defined by their top headliners. You are going to look back on some historic great performances that are coming from the undercard from artists that are not as big as they are three years down the line. And those are, those are great. That is a very important part of a festival. But when the lineup comes out, the first thing you look at is, who are the headliners? And that, my friends, is what defines the festival pre-festival before you go and enjoy yourself. Now the bad news. All three of these festivals have passed in 2019, and we are heading towards winter, which means your festival, if you're into festivals, that you'll just have to wait until next year to take part in this. But keep an eye on it. Listen to this podcast. Share with some of your festival-goer friends and see if you agree with what I'm saying. If not, let me know why. Hit me up on Twitter, at Marty Rosenbaum, and I want to hear from you what you disagree about that. If you think that maybe they need to have some overlap, I want, I want to hear why. Let's have a little discussion about this. Totally open to that. Hit me up on Twitter, at Marty Rosenbaum. And if you haven't done so yet, subscribe to the podcast. We are not going to have a two-month break again. Like I said, summer was underway. You get caught up with Lollapalooza and other big, fantastic concerts that were around the Chicagoland area this summer. So apologies for not getting you one sooner, but this is going to come out on a monthly basis. I already have some episodes lined up and booked for the future, so you can look forward to those coming out. And to get the latest news and notifications on when a new episode of Inside the Archives is out, you got a couple options. Subscribe to the podcast, download the Radio.com app for free on the App Store or on Google Play, search for Inside the Archives, And you can add that to your podcast library from there. Or if you're listening on services like iTunes, uh, now Apple Podcasts, search the library for Inside the Archives, subscribe to the podcast, leave us a rating or review, and find a full list of every episode that we've released so far. Or if you want to go the web route, head to 93xrt.com slash Inside the Archives, where you will be able to listen to every episode I've done. Today was a solo podcast. Most of the time, I will have an XRT DJ on, so if you're sick of hearing my voice at this point, it doesn't, it's not this bad all the time. You can, uh, we, we, we get some countering takes, so it's not just me talking for this length of time, but I do like doing these solo podcasts every now and then, and especially with Lollapalooza being just in our rearview mirror, thought it would be good to put one out today and record it for you. So... Follow me on Twitter at Marty Rosenbaum. If you haven't done so, you can follow 93XRT on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, all at 93XRT. And so for now, that's all I got for you. Thank you so much for listening and for tuning into the podcast and sharing it with your friends. For 93XRT and Inside the Archives, I'm Marty Rosenbaum. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? 
Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.